What's going on guys and welcome to this episode of the Coffee with Sam podcast. This episode is brought to you by Building from the Ground Up. Building from the Ground Up is a complete educational resource and training for all-star cheerleading and dance. BGU are the UK and Europe's leader in safety and technical training, now taught in four different countries, the UK, Ireland, Spain and Canada. Wowzers! Through the hands-on training, BGU coaches learn how to teach correct drills and progressions for stunting, tumbling, basket tosses in a hands-on way with demo athletes in a live gym setting. Ensures you will be delivering safe and effective cheerleading. BGU also specialises in dance courses designed to help teach, train and qualify coaches to succeed in the all-star dance world, offering courses in palm and jazz and hip-hop. These courses are designed for the new dance coach or the cheer coaches who are wanting their first steps into the world of all-star dance. We provide hands-on basic techniques, skills, drills that can be taken away and taken straight into the classroom. Each instructor has a strong background in cheerleading and dance coaching. Using their extensive extensive knowledge, they officially communicate the course material in a fun environment. Guys, if you are a novice to an advanced coach, it looks like BGU, Building from the Ground Up, has something for you. So, this episode is brought to you by them. Now let's get into the episode. In this episode, me and Deb talk, we waffled on for 40 to 50 minutes about none of the topics we had planned, but we talked about some class, class things. From COVID-19, to conspiracy theories about the government, to to how you can create better sleep, and a stronger immune system to help fight the COVID-19. So grab your brew or get out on a walk and roll that intro. Morning. Morning. How are you? I'm great, thank you. You? Good. How's the hair? (laughs) It's all right. I, I need this bit cut in now. It's grown already. Like a week, but yeah, nice. So you've been busy? You've been up to much? A lot of work? Oh god. Um have a really poorly daughter upstairs, like high temperature. Her sats are fine, bought a sats monitor because that really mattered to me. Slight cough, um, really not feeling well, lots of pain. So she potentially could have this, but of course there's no testing, so you know you don't know, do you? Well, no, it's just literally stay inside unless they get really bad, right? Yeah, I mean, her sats matter to me, so something chronic, because I've got clients who are doctors, and they're all saying that when people come in, and, and there was an article the other day about COVID being a silent killer, because a lot of people are coming in, and seemingly quite well, in a way, lots of symptoms, not well, but their sats are so low, that the doctor's thinking, shit, like, you know, this is a minutes away from organ failure, it's not, that I'm exaggerating on purpose, but why are they walking so okay, and how come they're so okay when their saturation levels aren't what they should be at all? And I need to get this person on oxygen desperately. 
And that's part of the problem that COVID seems to be doing. It's a bit of a silent killer when it comes to, to <coughs> oxygen saturation. So you can buy little SATs monitors like for 20 to 60 quid on Amazon and hers are really good at the moment. So I'm not going to worry. Mine are lower, but that's because I've had two lung clots after chemo and a little bit of radiation burnt the top of my right lung. So I would expect mine to be a bit lower. But if hers go under 90, I'm phoning the bloody, I'm phoning 111 or possibly an ambulance because she's got all the other symptoms, but I would want her put on oxygen. So it is interesting. That's, that's the problem with COVID. Like you've got, you've got couples out there that are living together, like elderly couples. One of them's on, the, on, on like struggling, like on ventilators struggling. And the other mm. one's fine walking around, but still got symptoms. But it's affected well, one person more than the Like, yeah. And I, I, read, um, I read an article the other day. There was, there's a, I think he was a US Olympian. He was 31. And it's actually killed him. <laughs> and he was fine, fit, Olympian. Like, and you think, well, I'm fit. My immune system's good. I'm going to be all right. But <laughs> it's not whether your immune system's good or bad. It's, although it has some indication doesn't it my partner's a doctor as well so it's always interesting to have these conversations and um you know we speak about it quite a lot because his firm are working on something that's to do with viruses and, and what you can do and because he owns a business as well a couple of businesses and you know we're it's a big topic of discussion it's everybody's topic of discussion isn't it on and off every day a little bit because we're bombarded by on social media on different things and it's a difficult one because, you know, you read a lot of stuff. I found it interesting all the, you know, all the people protesting in America and then with the pockets where people are protested, they're getting bigger death rates than, you know, coming through or bigger infection rates coming through. It's like some people are so adamant that their, their view is right, that this is a 5G thing or it's a conspiracy theory or it was a made up illness. I mean, Jesus, we're not that clever. Mother Nature is way more clever than us. Yeah, well, and I find interesting correlation with mother nature like why is she giving us this glorious sunshine we're getting like is that to help us through in some way like what's it about it's quite interesting well yeah we've we've stopped polluting it yeah. <laughs> we've stopped polluting all the air and there's nowhere near as much pollution going up like the, the skies yeah. are clear because there's no, there's no reason to make the clouds and all that stuff that it creates all the crappy weather it takes quite a while for that impact to really hit though so it's like you're getting dolphins in venice you're getting clearer waters it's you know but to make a long-term impact a lot of stuff would have to change but i'm really interested in, in the way some people believe that it's a conspiracy theory or it's it's you know that we've we've got telecom engineers being assaulted there were 120 plus however many it was reports of of attack on People trying to keep us online, keeping us able to do this sort of thing, to talk with family and with friends. <laughs> and people are attacking them, saying it's your fault, 5G, you did it. Gosh. Yeah, we had a mast. We've got a mast not far that obviously cropped up when this all started, because that's when they started to put them up. And that got set on fire um, a few weeks back. <laughs> it's like, what? It's mad, mad. It's a little bit like when you're trying to explain things to people and people think, you know, the government should do this, the government do that. There was a really interesting program on Channel 4 last night with some of the world's leading experts and some of the UK's leading experts and, and you know, saying what's going to happen when we're going out, what does it mean? And they're all saying the same thing. And that is they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. We don't know enough about this yet. We're not 
Will it be antibodies that we create? Well, they don't know. Will there be a vaccine that's effective? Well, we don't know yet. We're trying. No one knows. And that's difficult because I look at cheer gyms and I look at sports and it's sort of like pubs probably won't be up until December. Then where do cheer gyms fall into that? What does that mean? Because if people can't congregate, you know, cheer gyms are very close, aren't they? We're all very close to each other. So does that mean they won't be able to open? What does it mean for them? Or will it be that they're young kids, so they're allowed back in quicker and those sports for them will be okay. And it will just be older people and social gatherings that don't come back. That not knowing is the awful thing. And I really hope that any gym that does get some money doesn't blow it and, and really or think, oh, we'll get some equipment or do stuff. And I'm sure they won't. They're all really good business people. But this could be a lot longer than we think. And and I bloody hope it isn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to be the guys at the top that have to now make this second decision of opening things back up again. Because if they made yeah. that decision and then we get this, oh, well, everyone's dying again. You've got no chance of telling people to stay back inside again. Like... Like if we, if we all go back to normal, say by December and then it peaks up again and they say, oh guys, you've got to stay in now. People are going to be like, no, no. <laughs> it's like, a difficult one, isn't it? I'm one of those people that got a letter that said you must stay in for 12 weeks and you must do this and you must do that. And I've argued it a few times with people because I'm well out of chemo. Is that really sensible? The first doctor I spoke to said, no, you're fine. And the second doctor said, no, you're not fine. And it's like, oh, and that's the problem with science. It, you know, once it's got a definite set of principles, you work with the unknown in science. We work with what we don't know, don't we? And sometimes it's the same in psychology. Well, we know what we don't know. We know what we know. Let's work with that. Um, and it's all we can do. <coughs> and it's important to work out what that means. And, and for me, like if someone turned around and said to me now, well, that's it, Deb, you now cannot, you now cannot go out until... April, May, or when they have something, I'll be like, I don't know how I feel about that. It's, it's, it's weird. Like when I, when it first was coming about and obviously your older, not, not the old generation. So mm, like your fifties, sixties, they were, they, they were, I'm 54. Like, That's they me. were like, you need to like, they were taking it seriously straight away. Whereas yeah. I felt like my generation were a bit like, nah, this won't, we're never going to have wars. We're never going to have, this plague stuff in our time that don't happen so it was very like even i did it i shrugged it off a little bit and was like ha 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 it won't come to us and it was a bit like oh that's why the first couple of weeks of it was like this is real like yeah and and i think that's true because i think kids and younger generations haven't it is interesting that middle because the much older generation some of them didn't take it seriously either no, so they some... were like, i'll fight it i've done a war i'm all right yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see my friends, screw you. Um, you know, and I understand everyone's aspect of that. And at the end of the day, the government have given us a set of very clear rules. People say they're not clear. They are. That There was a police report that came out a couple of weeks ago that very clearly stated there was a video going around of a woman sitting on a park bench. Like, you know, what's a reasonable time to sit on a park bench and shouldn't you? They've covered it. It's there. You can find it as a link. I can send it to you if you want it, if you haven't seen it. It's pretty clear, really. No, I've seen it, yeah, I've seen it. However, we're all going to bargain, aren't we? And this is what humans do, especially when they're grieving. We bargain. We work out what we can do, what we can't do. And then we, we say things like, I know, but I'm really careful. It's okay. Or we say things like, yeah, but I wash my hands all the time. And I really think, I don't know, like masks may come in or may not. I've already pre-bought masks 
ages ago when this all first started and I had some left over from chemo anyway and I've bought all my kids masks with charcoal reusable pads and stuff for when and if it ever comes out because that might be the only way that we end up stopping people infecting other people if people want to go out so like my kids could like I've already done that because I that's where other countries have gone so I'm like oh I just hope I hope it doesn't um like uh human contact contact doesn't disappear because people are afraid so I was saying this to a friend the other day that I think like the handshake is something that as English people we have one thing we've got left apart from the monarchy where like we're a good strong handshake and I hope that doesn't disappear because people are scared to. Well, in my family is Swiss. So like originally my mum's family is Swiss and my dad descends from Russians and, you know, Poles. So I'm a bit of a Mongol, really. Um, my mum only came over. So I'm only second generation English on her side and third generation on the other, third or fourth. So I'm a bit of a mixture. But like when you say goodbye in Switzerland, you have to leave about half an hour at the end of a party. you got to hug everyone. Right. Well, you've got to give them three kisses each and every time and it's like well that'd be interesting if that goes I mean you'll gain half an hour to be able to leave a party but you know there are some quintessential English things and I don't think lots of them will go our stiff upper lip is still very British our capacity to cope in a crisis our ability to cue um we don't talk about sex we don't talk about money if you ask someone what they earn in England (laughs) I don't talk about that sort of thing what do you want to know that for or ask them about their sex life and you know Doctors in the UK, on average, well, if you tell them that you smoke, they're probably double what you say. But if you tell them you have a lot of sex, they're probably half what you say, you know, because it's just not true, probably. And we don't talk about death either. We're not good at death. And this is impacting all of us. And we're not very good, funny enough, because we spoke about disappointment, whether we should cover that or not. We're not very good at disappointment either. We like things to be very properly done and it's the way it is and that's we know we'll know what we're doing and then that's okay because that's the British way to do things we like to plan and get on with things you know you'll see us with our shopping lists and we'll see you'll see us with our you know our right this is going to happen then and this is all very sorted I do, planning. I do think there was a country it shocked me like the way America are being now because they're 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 obviously um demonstrating because of they're now running out of money yeah. I heard, and it could be gossip, but there's also um, there's a there's a march planned in the UK apparently. Well, Are we thought, that different? Yeah, I, I was I was about to say I thought we'd handled it quite well because if you'd have asked me four months ago if anyone within England would listen if we told were told to stay inside or be locked down, I'd be like, nah. Oh no, England's quite good at being told what to do. We like a rule. The the English, on average, there's a really good book called Watching the English. Um, which is all about the British cultural ways of doing things. And, you know, there's this thing called epigenetics, which also influences maybe future generations of how we do things, because it's been like this for hundreds of years. It's quite ingrained in us. And genetics pass a message, especially if somebody has had a trauma or a shock, that there are messages that are passed through our DNA, Um, mitochondria, all sorts of stuff, brain. it's, It's fascinating stuff transgenerational scripting from a psychological perspective and epigenetics from a scientific perspective. Um, probably one of my favorite subjects, to be honest, a bit boring, a bit geeky, but I love it. And so there are cultural messages that come through generations in countries and we're quite stoic, the British, our stiff upper lip, our ability to cope. 
we will do as we're told. We will celebrate. We will have a 25th Jubilee or what, no, not 25th century, whatever it is. We will do those things because we are British. It's part of our identity. Well, um, if, they do, if they do have a march, then I'll be very sad. I'll be very disappointed. Yeah, me too. Because we're all, in this, unless, unless you can do like you've done and I've moved some of my business online, then everyone's struggling. So why be that, those idiots? And it's just going to go up again. Like you say, if they keep doing it, like you said, in America, they're getting stats where more people are dying in those areas because they're coming. Those, those idiots think you're an idiot. And this is the problem with the way we deal and handle with each, handle each other. You know, you've got people who are convinced that the moon landing never happened. You've got people, you've got conspiracy theorists who believe that 9-11 was created by Americans. And um, you've got conspiracy theorists who argue that Hitler is still alive somewhere and is very fine and, and lived forever afterwards. You've got people who believe that you know, certain school, if you, we've got them in the UK as well. So in America, there's a particular guy who believes that a lot of the school shootings are set up. We've got people over here, the way we talk about, you know, conspiracy theories and different things like this whole 5G principle, like this was a created uh, illness uh, as a form of, you know, to cull people or whatever. It's, there are so many conspiracy theories. And the problem is we all think we're right. So psychologically, when we argue something, we come in with a view of you're wrong rather than, Talk to me about what you're thinking. Um, and people disbelieve science, even at this point. Like the, you know, you look at a satellite picture of the world, how it is, it is very obviously round. However, I can, the other person who's arguing with me say, well, it's very obviously flat because we can't you see the horizon, look at the end, you'll fall off. There is a level and you can talk about the way the world is shaped. You can talk about, um, how we stay on it, what it means, why time zones, you know, where the sun comes in, where the moon comes out. Oh, there's just no arguing though, because we all believe we're right. And so psychologically, people really suffer from that because you go in, it's a little bit like when you have an argument. I remember once there's a couple I love and know dearly who were standing by one of my bins and the female of the couple said, no, do you remember? You didn't. And he said, yeah, I did. And she said, no, you didn't. I did. You didn't. And this went on for like over a minute. And I said, one of you's gonna have to change the premise of that argument in order to come to a some kind of conclusion. And she said, Okay, it was this and that happened, and then that happened, and then that happened. And he went, Oh yeah. You know, we can't have the did didn't argument, must, should, ought, you, could. I do love a good conspiracy though. <laughs> Well, we do because they're, they're exciting, aren't they? And they're different and they draw us in psychologically and they're possible. I mean, Christ, yeah, there's nothing better than a really good film like National Treasure or whatever, or any of those angels and demons when there's all these underworlds and there's all these things going on that we don't know about. And there are messages on every single dollar note that tells you to go somewhere else that leads you to a treasure. Or if it's not a treasure, it's a piece of information or it's a secret group of people who you know, lead like Knights Temper and all different people that govern our lives. And if only we knew and that this is the line of Jesus and this is the line of, we love it. It's exciting. It's different. And it draws us in. Yeah, I, I and do, there's a lot of proof. I do it sometimes. Like, even if it's not a, even if I don't believe it, I like to just drop it in there in a group conversation or just to see how people react or how people, I just, I love a good conversation. So if I, yeah, have, if you can have a debate, 
conversation and debate are important, but if they become absolute and we attack people, so like, it, you know, if we get a group of people that march into London saying like locking us down is ridiculous, that like people just need to be allowed to die. They've also got a point. They've got a point in that. Well, you know, some people will die and some people won't. That's absolutely true. But for the people that live, we need to earn. Um, but the problem is we say we need to earn. If you listen to that statement, we need to earn. But that person is not then thinking they might be one of the people that's going to die because that's not what we think either. So psychologically, it's interesting. and It's a very difficult debate to have because people will adamantly hold on to their belief. And we have a confirmation bias and a few different biases that help us buy, that help us sell. You know, you're never sold to. <laughs> you think you buy something out of choice. I debate that a lot of the time, you know, there's not as much choice as we think there is. I love the, one of the scenes in the devil wears Prada where she turns around and says to Andy, um, who isn't really an Andy, but if you ever watch the film, she says, you think you chose that color? Let me tell you how you did for her sweater. And it's that, and again, it's that sort of thing. And, and people are sold to on something called confirmation bias, but we look for our own bias in our own lives to say, see, this is because, um, you know, so when it comes to things like COVID, I'm already starting to think, well, I definitely had coronavirus last year. So would I have some antibodies? Would they be similar at all? I know I did because I was in hospital for five days and I was tested. And none of that makes scientific sense because actually coronavirus in and of itself is very much the common cold. Loads of us have had it. But it's amazing what you do in your head to make you okay and see it that way. Yeah, it's the same as um, I was watching, uh, actually, before we came on here, um, it was one of the governors or whatever talking in America where they were protesting. And he was just trying to say like, I, I, un I understand it, but you need to stop saying I, because it could be we that you kill me. So yeah. someone outside could be protesting. Yes, they could go back to work, but then you could be the reason why I die. So they need to stop thinking about I and think of we and us. That's really hard for people to do though. You know, when people come into therapy, Carl Rogers talks about the seven stages of therapy, therapeutic process. So when someone comes in, what they often say is they do the opposite. They say, well, you know, and, and this is the opposite. So this is interesting. So people say, well, we all do that. That's normal, isn't it? That's just the way the world is. We've got no power in that. And it's like, gosh, where's your autonomy? Where's your independence? Where's your accountability? And eventually what you want people to do is slowly but surely learn that they have a choice. One of my favorite expressions in therapy is you may not be responsible for the hand of cards you've been dealt, but you are absolutely responsible for how you play them. Awful things happen to people a lot of the time. And why is it that that person comes out working, functioning, okay, and this person has a serious addiction to drugs, isn't okay, doesn't work. But then again, that's an interesting social classification. Why do I class this one as okay and this one as not? Because actually in other people's societies, that might be completely okay. And, and it's, it's a lot to do with trauma response and things. So people will use we when they don't want to take accountability, but when they believe they're right, they use I and me. And it's that disparity between the two is fascinating because that's the way people function again. It's crazy. Yeah. When you, when you think about it like that, I've never really thought about it like that. Um, the way you change. But we don't want to be responsible. Like, well, we all think, do we? What if you use the word I? I think, oh, now you're on the spot. 
However, also those people are arguing in huge groups. So they've got backup. They've got thousands of people having their back. So they're not alone. So they can say, I need to, what about me? I mean, most of those posters are saying, it's like, I need a haircut. That's an interesting priority, isn't it? We're talking about people's lives. I need a haircut. Yeah. And the conspiracy theorists, again, that those, those people aren't really nurses and doctors, they're actors and actresses hired. Again, fascinating. We'll yeah. find anything, any argument that helps us fight our corner. We will. Yeah, and then like you say, then that then becomes a conspiracy because are these people that are protesting even real? Like, is it just, the, and then it goes on and on and on, and then it'll be the media. <laughs> The media will I be mean, let's start our own rumour, shall we? Should, we? should we put out there potentially that Trump hired them so that there's enough in each... So he's already given <laughs> each state its own responsibility as to whether to open up or not, which is a bitch of a thing to do to a group of people. Um, there was a really interesting interview with the mayor of... Where was she? Was it Florida or that sort of area? I can't remember. I was watching it the other day and she was saying... No, Las Vegas, that's what it was, LA. Um, no, Las Vegas. She yeah, wants Las Vegas yeah. open. Um, and it, the guy was just, the poor interview, just had his head, literally. Yeah, I've seen the video. I've seen the video, it was last night, yeah. Was it last night? He was like, oh, I don't know. Like, so you just want everything open? Well, no, just the hotels. But then when she carried on, it was like, yeah, everything. <laughs> because people aren't surviving and the pressure is on government and it is on other people. After World War II, universal credit became a very different thing. People were looked after by the state so much more. The NHS, you know, we built back up again. Lots of people, there was lots of help um, where it was founded and started. The NHS is a principle of caring for people and what we had to do. Um, it was set in stone many years later in different ways. That the idea that this credit that we gave people, people on food rations, you know, they were limited as to what they could buy and what they could do, and, and people managed. And we were looked after. Should we be? Shouldn't we be? Are we responsible for ourselves? It's just interesting. What does it all mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm stupid at the moment because I'm so proud of what I'd built over the last two years or whatever that I am yet to sign on. And it's silly, like, for tax credit or I'm I just, just silly. I could just sign on. I keep kind of like you get you keep saying telling yourself I keep telling myself ah, I'll be a couple of weeks and we'll be okay and I can live till then and then I can be out the back of this and say well I didn't have to sign on or I didn't have to get tax credit and it's it's, it's that telling yourself again like you keep saying like that I, like why is it so shaming for some people to sign on why is it so shaming to ask for help to ask for a handout and you can apply that one to cheer as well as psychology People are really struggling. My daughter and I watched Stick It last night. Do you remember Stick It? That's the gymnastics film? Yeah, that's yeah, me. Right? You know, if you name the gymnastics or the dance film, we've probably seen it in this family and or any <laughs> cheer film as well. Yeah. And we were watching Stick It and, and it just reminded me, like, you know, she dropped out of well, of the, you know, the Olympics, that this particular gymnast, if you haven't seen this film. And you find out the reason why halfway through the film and she's just very angry and she's not an okay young woman. And it's all about, you know asking for help like and and the gym coach eventually says to, she says well can I have some help working on my landings and he says sorry I didn't hear you I want some help on my landings. I'm sorry I didn't hear you 
yes, you did. And he went, I might have done, but tell me, I want some help working on my landings or whatever it was that she said, because we've got to learn to ask for help. We can't read each other's minds. So in situations like this, where, where people are in, in a bad way, um, be it health-wise or anything else as well, we've got old people stuck in old people's homes and old people dying because people aren't asking for help. I don't feel well. It's an okay statement. But again, that British culture comes in of push through, get back up, fight through, stiff up a lip. If somebody's got a really bad mental block or somebody's not feeling okay, somebody feels awful about worlds not being able to go or not being able to be at a summit or not being anywhere else at the moment, the disappointment we feel is shocking. And that's because we have expectations. When you expect something, like if you've expected, like my business has been okay, it's working, I'm doing well, great. I didn't expect to be here. No one expected this. So we're all going to have to eat a little bit of humble pie and maybe ask for some help. Maybe it's over finances. Maybe it's over a food package. Like, I'm in theory, I can get a free box of food every week. I'm not asking for that. I don't want that. I've got enough money to buy my own food. I'm okay for the time being. If, do I know I'm going to be okay forever? No, I don't. Like, we just don't know. So we need to get rid of our pride a little bit and say, actually, I might need some help. I'm not saying you don't, but let's say you don't have enough money for decent food. Well, decent food, fresh food, also make sure your immune system's good. Also make sure you're getting all the vitamins and minerals that you need, the nutrition that you need. It's a good idea to stay healthy right now. Yeah, so many people aren't taking that like seriously, as in like they think it's just stay at home, don't touch, wash hands and stuff. Like it's like, first line of defense is get that immune system up <laughs> i work with brighton Hope football club and, and you know i i had a stand-up row in a meeting with one of their nutritionists who is an expert nutritionist but who was dealing with one of my clients who had a severe eating disorder and played football and we needed a very different approach they were very much about supplements do this do that keep eating healthy and i was like Nah, their anorexia is so bad that if we don't lift them to a certain level, you know, there's potential there for them needing eventually. I mean, the most I've had an anorexic on by the end of, of their, well, it's part of the process, is, is 6,500 calories a day to try and get them up because they're not putting on weight. Their system is so damaged that, you know, they have thermogenic responses they don't feel well they have all sorts of things going on and we see it in cheer as well you know you have to up the calories slowly but surely but the bloating someone feels the amount of energy needed for somebody in sports they need more calories than somebody who is just having sedentary lifestyle and that's why a lot of gymnasts a lot of cheer people a lot of coaches can eat a load of rubbish because they're super fit already because they also eat good stuff on top and if a child watches that and copies and then they get bigger or they don't look at how they're eating and, and food is a big obsession for a lot of people in lockdown you know it's a time to get fit and healthy or it's a time to put on four stone because you're overeating whatever it is it's a big obsession people are baking you can buy yeast for ages people are baking a lot and so you have to watch nutrition is part of wholeness i went to see ruby wax my sister took me as a birthday present um a couple of years ago so she does the same job as I do now what well, she's qualified I don't know if she actually does it but she's a comedian but she also does um she's a therapist that's what she does um very similar qualifications to me very similar process and she does a Q&A at the end and the amount of people that said to her well I found you know when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and I, I got super fit that's cured my depression or somebody says well I did this diet and it cured my depression and I felt her eyes roll in her head because I hear that a lot 
They are part of the defense. They are part of a solution. They are not the only one. Like depression is there for a reason, for lots of very good reasons, often repression of anger, repression of different things. And good food will help you and good exercise will help you. But it's like a triangle, it's like a tripod in order to get there. You also have to look at what's going on psychologically because depression is a psychological illness. It is not brought on by eating bad food. However, right. if you eat enough bad food for long enough, you might feel depressed yeah. because everything else in your life will start to change. If you are 38 stone, you can't get up out of a chair, you can't do things properly, you are gonna end up with all sorts of, you know other health conditions and things the same as if you're sick stone you're, you're going to end up being very ill and very frail and not able to do stuff and massive likelihood of breakages or snapping and your mood i mean anorexia is one of the only things that actually physically changes the brain that and ptsd so nutrition is important it's part of it but it's part of a whole systemic approach i think a holistic approach like i was just the, the main point i trying to get is like the, like the, the immune system to fight this COVID, if, if we need to fight all the flus that are going about, then people just aren't taking the things they can do themselves. They can sleep well, they can do a little bit of exercise and they can eat a little bit better. Um, not like take this supplement, do this, do that, boost your immune system. This, I don't believe in any conspiracy things like that eat this pill and you're going to be fine in a day and all that stuff yeah, do i take a red pill or a blue pill up or down where do i go like you're saying though it's it is hard it, it is hard to to not because i found myself you know drinking a little bit more probably not working out nowhere near as much as i used to um and it's easy to slip into that cycle um but people need to understand that those things like you said earlier they lead to bad sleep then bad sleep leads to bad eating then bad eating leads to more bad sleep then it leads to one in the drink and then drinking leads to bad sleep and then it, it what big vicious cycle and then depression and whatever's at the end of it <laughs> yeah. um very much so I, I mean we need it's interesting around sleep because kids needs a kids need a hell of a lot more sleep than adults and actually with all the research that's there, really school should start a little bit later. Teenagers really suffer. They definitely need more sleep and they prefer to sleep a little later if you watch all the read and watch and listen to Yeah, there's a great um, experiment in America where they opened a school later and the grades went up. But I can't remember how they grade in America, but the grades went up. And then also the car accident deaths went down because parents yeah. were getting an hour extra in bed too. I was like, oh. Well, the problem is, it's, it's our systems are very set, aren't they? They're very based. You know, if you go back to original sleep patterns hundreds of years ago, people didn't have one chunk of sleep. So what we did is we went to sleep as kind of dust came down. It varied um, through um, times as well, through seasons. But people would sleep and then wake up in the middle of the night and they would do things like have social time with their neighbors or have social time with their family or play a game or do something or if they were couples they would have sex and then they would go back to sleep until they were ready for work it's quite a modern thing to have one shift of sleep but what we do know is that there's these little things in your brain called gleals that that clean your brain out after around about seven hours so we know that seven hours is a good idea because it just a little bit like those birds on top of hippos that just, you know, gills <laughs> work within us, they clear up your brain. And if you watch the film Inside Out, which is a great brain, about, a great film about psychology in the brain, it's a Disney film and it's a cool yeah. film. Wow. And actually, if you know about brains, it teaches it. You're like, oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. I know what that is. But there's a point when there's a little hoover going around going, 
you know, in the brain when um, sadness and joy are walking around and trying to get something sorted. And <laughs> um, they're gleals. They clean our brain at a certain point when we hit around seven hours sleep. That's what they do. It's good for us. The same as eating is good for us. You know, there are lots of theories on diets and I teach other people about eating disorders and people shouldn't go and see a normal therapist for eating disorders. They're so complex. Like I just said, you know, they are one of the things that actually changes a brain. An anorexic brain isn't quite the same as a, I hate the word normal, but a more neurotypical type brain. So it becomes atypical. It's a little different the way it processes thoughts and what happens. And there's some great TED talks on this as well that people can look up. So trying to say to someone, well, you just need to eat this doesn't work. We have to work with our brain and sleep heals our brain. It's an older fashion expression, isn't it? Sleep heals. And it does. It also gets us through a chunk of time to the next time when we can start to feel better and start to feel good so brains are really important and we feed them and on average your brain needs a carbohydrate every 20 seconds now as in sugar the way it changes and what happens um that doesn't mean you have to eat every 20 seconds that'd be ridiculous but we need to feed our brains yeah, your, body um, can, your, your brain can take it where it needs to take it and yeah and so we can function and work you know the way we feel pain the way it feeds up through the bottom of the dorsal fin and the spine and where it feeds up and where it goes and eating well helps with that sleeping well helps with that having a good mental process helps with all of those things especially when that very old part of our brain starts to take over and we panic if we've got a good system in place we start to feel better however some people like you were saying earlier yeah but if you're fit and healthy like that really fit and healthy guy he died didn't he we see fit and healthy people die sometimes from unusual things and that's more unusual i mean there are underlying conditions killing a lot of people with covid that comes into it too and also you know you hear about people like there's the extremity isn't it there's a car crash there's an accident there's a heart attack but why a heart attack was there something underlying what happened but of course, the cleaner we can eat, the better we can be, the better it is for us. I can't talk. I'm overweight. I really cannot talk. And I don't do enough exercise and whatever. I'm not completely unfit as such, but I am given my weight and my size and my proportions. You know, so we've all got stuff going on. It's a question of what and how we deal with it and what it means. And I mean, that said, I eat really well. I just eat way too much and extra on top and I really like it. Snap. <laughs> Snap and I like a drink. <laughs> I don't, I don't drink. Interestingly, I don't tend to drink alcohol. I probably, I think the doctors think I'm lying whenever I have some kind of checkup because I'll say, no, I don't drink or smoke. And they say, we well, don't drink. And I say, well, that's well, how many units do you have a week? And I said, no, I've probably had four units last year. And that's what we should be teaching again when it comes to alcohol. We should be teaching kids about units and what units mean, not about a drink, because people don't understand alcohol, how it works. They don't understand if you look at alcohol in and of itself as a drug, um, the effort, how it works in alcohol is interesting. Because if I gave you a shot of alcohol and I gave you a shot of heroin, and we compare the impact of the two on the body and the way that it works, you would not be drinking alcohol. Knowing how much, I know how important sleep is and how uh, drugs and alcohol can affect your sleep with not letting you go into your full deep sleep. And the reason why you feel rough the next day is like one, dehydration and two, because you actually haven't been to sleep. Um, I was talking to, about this on a podcast with um, 
a dance teacher yesterday um, and she showed her app and the night she drank, she had six and a half hours sleep. And the night before I spoke to her, she'd had eight and a half hours sleep and she hadn't drank for two days. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, my bags are going from under my eyes. I'm like, yeah, wait, that's not alcohol like causing that just yet. It's the fact that you haven't slept properly because of the alcohol, you've got bags under your eyes. And she was like, oh, and I explained the whole where you don't dip into. And I think people forget that as well. And in this time, we need to be not just like, oh, well, I've had a pear and an apple and a um, greens today. They need to think about the things they can do by getting good sleep. And if alcohol every night is causing bad sleep, then their immune system. Alcohol every night will cause bad sleep. It's also a depressant. You know, it really is. And people say, no, but it frees me. No, what happens in the brain? If you think, if you think about Men in Black, the film, um, and, and the principle of like a Skynet, a principle all over our planet saving us, from aliens, alcohol just goes and disintegrates our protection system. So we take risks. That's why we feel more free because alcohol depresses our system so much. So people talk about, oh, you know, oh, it's really vomiting and, and you know, that's your body trying to get rid, get rid of, of poison. You are poisoning yourself. And, and then, you know, the next point after that, after you passing out is death, you know, that's, those are your stages. So alcohol is, is just a very freely used drug and it's got a lot, of, and don't get me wrong, the odd glass of wine, the odd glass of something, there are health benefits, it's good things to do. A bottle of wine every night, not so sure. Um, it impacts your sleep, it impacts your wellness, it impacts, it impacts your immune system and because of sleep. It also depresses your brain. So you may start to do things differently, like not sleep as well or eat different things and not cope. So well, 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 where are we going today? What on earth have we covered? This is amazing. I don't, I don't care. We're going to have to jump onto our actual bit that we were going to go on to another day because <laughs> we've done 40, <laughs> nearly 50 minutes. But it's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's good. It's good. It's been good chat. Um, it's well, it's nice. To, I, I love my subject and I think, you know, it can apply to so, whoops, sorry. I love my subject and it can apply to so many things in life. It, it covers every part of us as human beings, psychology. It really does. You know, the impact on sleep and all of those things, psychologically caused psychological impact. You know, if you're not sleeping well or you're not feeling good, that, you know, it just leads to patterns. I work with sleep hygiene. I work with so many things as part of the work that I do with people, whether it's addicts, whether it's people who are stressed, it, it, it comes on, it just covers everything. Well, everything you buy, everything you do, all based on your mind, your thoughts and how you see life. Well, yeah. So like when you have a bad night's sleep, you can for the rest of the day, people say, oh, I'm grumpy, get on the wrong side of the bed. No, you're like, it's not depression, but it's that same, what the lack of sleep, alcohol bad food is doing on your mind is putting you into that grumpy state and if you're in that grumpy state for i don't know how long it is but a few months or a few weeks because of bad sleep of course that that could go to depression right and lead to other health issues oh it can lead to all sorts of things not just depression you know sleep deprivation is is one of the most effective torture devices known to man um, i mean it was well known that japanese prisoners of war you know, were subject to sleep deprivation and games around sleep because you will give up everything at some point if you're sleep deprived. You cannot function, you don't make good decisions and then bad decisions have consequences and bad life choices have consequences. I can't deal with it and I can't work with it, you know. Awesome, so, let's wrap that up there then. That has been an right. hour of absolute waffle, but <laughs> good waffle, interesting in waffle. <laughs> all right, lovely. 
I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you later, Deb. Bye. Bye. <laughs>